All right, raise your hand if you have seen Home Alone at any point. All right, most everybody? Eh? No? you never seen Home Alone? Oh, okay. You're just not listening. Okay. <laughs> so most of us have seen Home Alone, right? Um, but uh, it's a, it's a, it's, uh, it's, has anybody, raise your hand, seen Home Alone 2? Starring the same characters, right? Same plot. Now, did you know there's a Home Alone 3? Did you know there's a Home Alone 4? Did you know there's a 5? I just learned about 4 and 5 this week. All right. Did you know there's going to be 6 next year? Uh, yep, this is a true story, and I hear Macaulay Culkin, who uh, played Kevin, is coming back as Kevin, grown Kevin. And just to make you feel old, Macaulay Culkin, uh, who played Kevin, uh, tweeted this out this year, okay? So he says, hey, guys, want to feel old? I'm 40. You're welcome. <laughs> so does that work? So here's the basic summary. Kevin McAllister, uh, the, the, the McAllister family is preparing to go on Christmas vacation to Paris, France, like we all do, right? Um, and, and, and then Kevin is mistakenly left behind uh, back at home in what city? Chicago. And uh, again, um, who hasn't left, mistakenly left a child, right? Um, now, I'm, that was a joke. Um, as far as you know. But now at first, Kevin finds his newfound freedom to be a source of joy, right? He's screaming, he's freaking out, and, and they just had this big uh, family argument the night before, um, and he was sent off to bed in the, in the attic, and he wished that he would never see his family again. However, that joy, uh, it, it soon turns to fear as he's confronted with a couple of nemesis. Uh, one, the older old man, uh, Marley, lived next door. Uh, he's rumored by the neighborhood kids to um, be a serial killer. You know the neighborhood kids' solid source of information, right? But then the other two burglars named... All right, but their names were... Harv, Mar- uh, Harry and Marv, and um, the Wet Bandits, and they've been scouting his house uh, as the next house to strike. And, and while the family in Paris is, is left trying and scrambling to make arrangements just to hurry back home, Kevin is left at home alone, um, not only to survive, but to defend his house against Harry and Marvin. And, and this is the fun of the movie, right? Um, all the detriment and damage that he does to those two. And now, he sets up booby traps all over the place to defend the house. It's hilarious, but it is a movie. Like, medical doctors have analyzed the damage um, inflicted by Kevin, and these guys was, would have been dead many times over, okay? So don't try those uh, booby traps at home, okay, kids? Um, you know, they'd have a long list of broken bones and fractured skulls and concussions, second, third degree burns, emotional trauma. You know, the list goes on and on and on. So this is the last installment of our Christmas series, Christmas at the Movies. It's a fun way for us to uh, engage the season and jump into God's Word. And though this movie's not spiritual particularly, it still points us, it can still point us to something more. And so for Kevin, well, you guys are guessing where I'm going with this. For Kevin, his Christmas turned out to be much different than he expected. And being alone is starting to get to him. Which brings me to this question. Have you ever felt alone? Most of us have, right? 
Most of us have felt lonely at some point, and Christmas is this interesting dichotomy where, on the one hand, it's a season of joy and singing and songs and lights and, and parties and happy tunes and giving and family. On the other hand, it's also a season of sadness for so many people. And this might come as a surprise to some. Not only are the days short, the nights are long, which affects so many people's moods. Christmas is a const- also a constant reminder for us of, of those who are no longer with us. And so as we watch families gather and post pictures, it reminds us of the ones that we lost or the things that we've lost over the years or over this year. <clears throat> a child, a parent, a job, living through a pandemic where so many things are different. And while Christmas strives to break through the grief, it often ends up highlighting. So today, we just want to acknowledge that. Also a culture, everybody collectively, here we go. Online, you good? All right. So today we gather, you know, uh, for Christmas, right? We do your traditional Christmas things look like this. You gather for parties, you gather for work parties, church parties, family parties, neighborhood parties, right? You do all the parties. In fact, Beth and I had been on a streak of doing cookies and cocoa in our neighborhood for everybody on our street for 12, 12 years straight. This year, we're not doing cookies and cocoa at our house. We're going to go and deliver cookies. You know, that may freak people out, but we're going to deliver cookies in our neighborhood in lieu of having everyone over our house. So things are different, aren't they? But it's still something that's built into the season where we know it's a time for us to gather. In fact, if you ask a lot of people what Christmas is about, a lot of people are going to say it's about family. It's about friends. It's about being, people being together. And so I think that the season can point us to something more, something divine, something that God instilled in us and something that God even provides for us. And so it shows us not only our desires, but it shows us our need to not be alone. I want to dig into the Christmas story in Matthew chapter 1 and verse 18 to 21. It goes like this. It says, this is how the birth of Jesus the Messiah came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace. He had in mind to divorce her quietly. But after he considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son. You are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins." Now, this is all pretty scandalous, okay? This is all pretty crazy. It's a very uh, Jerry Springerish, you know, like Mary and Joseph were engaged. They, Mary gets pregnant by the Holy Spirit, right? And Joseph is, is uh, supposed to accept that, but he's a good man, so he's going to uh, quietly keep her from disgrace. But God speaks to Joseph in a dream and fills him in on the details that there is something more going on to the story, that this is, in fact, uh, uh, the Holy Spirit. This is God's working. Don't leave her. Take her as your wife. Um, um, you're going to uh, give him the name Jesus, because he, uh, which means the Lord saves. Then in verse 22 and 23, it says, All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. 
the virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. There's a whole lot of rabbit trails we could take right now, but the big idea we can't miss this is that child um, is Emmanuel, which means God with us. God with us. Now, through the book of Matthew, this is a key theme throughout the account, is that God's presence... Merry Christmas, you filthy animals. But, you know, in the book of Matthew, this is a big deal, God's presence. Because you see it in Matthew chapter 1, Emmanuel, God with us. And you see at the very end of Matthew, at the end of Jesus' life, the last thing that Jesus says to his followers are, I will be with you always until the end of the age. That's the that's bookends, the, Jesus' whole life and ministry, death, burial, resurrection. God is with us. That's a big deal. And I want that to, to maybe sink in for a moment with us, that God came down, and this is what theologians call the incarnation. That means in the flesh, that, that God came in the flesh. He put skin on. The Jesus, who was already existent in the, tri, the triune God, he came into this world. Why? Emmanuel. So God would be with his people. We were in a dilemma that only God could take care of. Instead of washing his hands and turning his back and, and just forgetting about his creation, he makes a way. He comes. He infiltrates. God is with us, Emmanuel. Now, this is something we talk about, but think of the magnitude. Think of the humility it would take to come into this mess, right? In humble circumstances, as a man humbled himself to the point, even to death, even death on a cross, it doesn't get any lower than that. And sometimes we have a hard time lowering our own selves, don't we? Just to other people that are equal to us. But this is the bookends of the Matthew Emmanuel, and I will be with you. And he promises his presence to his followers, and, <clears throat> and then all of Jesus' ministry fits inside those two bookends. We are never... We are never home alone. And that may be something that you need to know and something that you need to hear this Christmas. Back to home alone where Kevin, he's starting to feel it. The fun is starting to wear down. He's starting to feel the home alone part. Do you remember the scene where he finds the Santa? He goes to find Santa to ask for a Christmas wish. And Santa's shop's already closed, so he finds him... um, finding a parking ticket and smoking a cigarette. And so he goes to ask Santa for, <clears throat> and to pass the, the message on to the real Santa, right? And so he says um, he didn't want presents. He just wanted his family back. And that's a long way from his wish. At the beginning of the movie, he says, I wish I'd never see them again. He realizes that being alone is not all it's chalked up to be. Now, we may wish for more quiet time, okay? I get it. As parents, you may wish for trips to the bathroom without someone banging on the door, right? But in the end, we still don't want to be alone. 
And we don't need more presence. We need more of His presence in our life and more of His presence in our world. And, and that's what, here's what I want you to know, church. And if you're watching, if you're online, if you're here today, is that you can be sure that you are never alone. Parents, uh, uh, or, or, um, we're talking about presence, and I, I came across this on social media this week. Um, it's a tweet from Eugene Tw- uh, Cho. He says this, It feels so dark, disheartening, and discouraging these days. So I need to regularly remind myself <clears throat> of this truth, that even in my perceived silence, God is not absent. God is at work. God is not yet done. And we need to hear that, don't we? We need to be reminded that even though we f- don't always feel it, even though it seems like darkness is winning or darkness is encroaching, that, that um, even though for a season or for a time it might feel like God is silent, God is not absent and God is at work and God is not yet I talk with people all the time who go through crazy situations, and and how many times they say, God is getting me through, almost as if he's a friend sitting right there next to them. Or when they're lonely, they say, you know what, I I lean on him or I trust in God, and it's probably why statistics show people of faith are healthier and happier than people without faith, because we know that we're never truly alone. So Jesus showed up and showed us this message. <clears throat> he, but today, as we wrap up, I want to challenge us just in a little way that to take this incarnation that Jesus shows us and, and that we kind of turn that around and we, we push that outwards, right? The incarnation of Jesus shows us that some things can't be done without being incarnate in the flesh or being present. We have people all around us, and, well, a lot of those people are alone, right? Maybe they don't have faith. Maybe they don't sense that God is with us. Maybe they do. Maybe they're physically alone. And, and some of you, I hear your stories, have a gift for caring and loving and inviting people, outsiders, to be insiders. And that's a beautiful thing. That, that's the character of Jesus, okay? So here's a couple of things. The first one is this. We need to be reminded this week, this season, that people are more important than things, okay? And we see that in the life of Jesus, right? That, that, that Jesus put everything aside. He came down to this world, and he came, and he put skin on it. And why? For us. Emmanuel, God with us. We know this, right? But sometimes the lines are blurred with our actions. People are more important th- than things. And we know that. Christmas is more about connecting with people than with, with stuff. And in fact, if you ask the large segment of our population what Christmas is about, they would, they would confirm this with their statements, right? Plenty of opportunities. Get-togethers, shindigs, parties, school parties, work parties, all these things may be to the wayside. But, but, but Jesus, when he was on this earth, um, uh, he was the most important person to walk this earth, right? But you know who the next, second most important person to walk the earth was? The people that Jesus was talking to at that moment. They were the most important person in his world at that moment. 
And so the second thing is this. First one is people are more important than things. Second thing I want to challenge us with is our time spent with people is more than an obligation. It's an opportunity. Do you know the difference? The difference is this. The difference is obligation is I have to. I have to go to that party or I have to take cookies to that per neighbor or I have to go to church. Opportunity says I get to. Well, man, hey, hey, Benjamin, today we get to go to church, right? Right? And if you want to see him celebrate, you tell Ben we get to go to church because him is not an obligation. It's an opportunity. And so he celebrates. He screams. And he, he's pumped. He's ready. Let's get dressed. Let's eat breakfast. And he's keeping this train going because he wants to get to church. And so that's the difference. Obligation I have to versus opportunity I get to. And, and it makes a busy schedule versus making memories, right? It may, it's the difference in us getting through something versus making something meaningful. And so we have a God that wasn't content at being at a distance, and, and we have a God who saw our need, and a God who came in the flesh to, in, in a flesh and blood kind of way to meet that need. And when we were lost, when we were separated, when we were broken, that Jesus came after each and every one of us. And guess what? He came for those around you, too, to make a way. There's several times when Jesus gave us glimpses of his purpose, right? These, um, I've come so that, you know, it fills in his like, mission of why he came. And a couple of these say, like Jesus says, I've come and, uh, not to be served, but to, to serve. Jesus says, I came to seek and to save that which was lost. And we see um, he eats with tax collectors and sinners, says it's not the healthy that need the doctor, but the sick. And so Jesus being up and close and personal <clears throat> was necessary for his mission. But I'm busy. We're busy, right? But we're too busy. And this is like the most busy time of the year, right? Um, it, it, there's all these other things we're going on. But when we view our time spent with people as more of an obligation, and, and we start using them, and we can turn that, start using them as opportunities, and start live out this incarnation of Jesus. What if that became our prayer, church, this week as we celebrate Christmas um, with other people, however that looks for you this year? That God use, God use this opportunity. Use this opportunity that I have with these people. This week um, is Christmas, and we're wrapping up our Be a Lover Challenge this week. The whole Be a Lover Challenge thing, if you're not familiar, is the last um, November, December, we're trying to commit 500 acts of love in the name of Jesus, okay? And we figured, man, we, um, we just need to brighten this world up. We need to brighten this place up. And, and so we've seen people um, submitting acts of love left and right. We're getting close to 400. We still need your help, okay? We only have like a, a few days left to, to hit 500. And, and a lot of these acts of love are, 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 is your presence in people's life, visiting with people, praying with people, taking food to people, helping people pump gas and air, and, and giving uh, people extra tips um, at a restaurant. We see all this going on, so much love. <clears throat> and we'll encourage you guys to submit those at cfsforlovers.info. Maybe this is an act of love for you to do this week, is to engage someone around you so they know that they are not alone.